What's going on, everybody? I'm Mara. And I'm Taz. And welcome back to Sisters Who Kill. Who are you when nobody is looking? If you're listening to this, you probably already know what I'm about to say, that today is the day for you to start your podcast. You have everything that you need, your computer, a little microphone, and Spotify for podcasters. It is the all-in-one platform where you can host, edit, and record your podcast and distribute it everywhere. Where you're listening right now, you can have your podcast there. I promise, for real. And it's free. And you can make some money off of your podcast for free. Free money. Free money is out there. Just go get it by starting your podcast today. All right, guys, this player list is long. We'll break it down a bit later, but be prepared. Our players this week are Robert Carter, Delicia's husband and victim, Delicia Carter, Robert's wife and victim, Ethan Carter, Robert and Delicia's son and victim, Kayla Lemons, Delicia's daughter and Robert's stepdaughter. Victim Tracy Johnson, victim Morgan Johnson, Tracy's daughter, and victim Sheila Michael, accomplice, and Amy's mother, and Amy Michael, our murderess. Amy Alistair Michael was born in 1986 in Philadelphia and is the daughter of Marine Man and Department of Defense employee Robert Michael and an elementary school teacher mother by the name of Sheila Michael. Now, according to Amy, When she hit teenage years, that's when she started, like, smoking weed. And in 2008, she actually graduated from college with her degree in psychology. At the time, when she was in college, she was starting to get in trouble. Not crazy trouble, but car trouble. She received four speeding tickets in three months plus a stop sign violation. On September 4th of 2006, when she was in Bedford County, PA, she was going 75 in the 65. On February 2nd, 2007, she was stopped for going 75 in the 65 in Blair County, PA, which is like 100 miles east of Pittsburgh. In that case, she was fined $137. Not even seven days later, no, exactly seven days later, on February 9th, 2007, she was stopped for going 89 in the 65 and was fined $89. Don't know why it was less that time than the time before. Probably just the county she was in. We don't make the laws up. But that was in Columbia County, PA. So all of this happened. She got seven points added to her license. Now, in PA, if you get six points onto your driver's license, you have to take a driver's course within 30 days of getting that those points added to your license or your license is at risk of being suspended. Now, due to the privacy laws, we are not able to know for sure if she actually took the class that she was supposed to take, the defensive driving class to make sure that the points could go away and that she could not have her license suspended. Privacy laws, we don't know. However, Things don't really stop her there because on March 31st of 2007, she was pulled over for going 85 in the 65. She was fined $173 and she got four more points added onto her license. She's already looking at a fifth, about a 15-day suspension to her license just off of points alone. Now, this then, is obviously before super speeding was enacted because... I would have ate these fines up in college when I was racking up these. But super also, sp- Tazzy, super speeders, you're ta- you're in Georgia right now. They don't have super speeders in every, te- in every state. Oh, is that the case? Girl, because I've gotten speeding tickets in other states. But remember, fun fact, I don't know if I should say this. Mm, maybe I should talk to a lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a Georgia license because when I was in college, when I was in grad school, I got a Florida license. And because of some very old super speeder tickets in Georgia, like years old, I've paid the actual speeding ticket fine, 
but then you have to pay a $250 super speeder fine. And so they were like, to get a Georgia license again, I would need to go and pay my old super speeding super speeder fines, which is $250 per ticket. And I looked at that lady and I said, you want $500 for me? <laughs> you know, I said, you know what? I'll just drive back down to Florida to get my tags renewed. Like, Let me tell no you worries. Something. It fucking works. Because after so many super speeding tickets, I was like, I don't even want to drive anymore. But I learned how to use cruise control and it has been a savior for me because I can't. Y'all, when I was in college, Tazzy would come and visit me all the time. And she's like, every time I drive down to come see you, I get a ticket. And I was like, it's just fucking the roads to 675 Tiff County. Tiff County, fuck Tiff County, bro. They give me every oh. fucking time. Man, it's it's hard out here in Georgia. So all of that. And then on April 17th, 2008, she was pulled over because she failed to obey a stop sign. So speeding, speeding. Not stop making your complete stop at a stop sign or ignoring it. Things aren't looking well for her driving record. However, her and her mom and her dad, they end up moving down to Atlanta. And she's, and you know, so now she's in a new state. So the driving record in Atlanta is clean. Do you remember when my license was suspended only in the state of Virginia? I was just like, I graduate in two weeks. I don't <laughs> care. Fuck them, we will. Right. I didn't get my license suspended for alcohol or any kind of craziness. While down in Atlanta, Sheila Michael, which is Amy's mom, she became a second grade teacher at Cascade Elementary. And things were looking pretty well for the Michael family. Now, father, he ended up having to go on a trip, a work trip, and it was overseas in the Middle East because he works for the government. So he was doing some work over there, right? He's over there. His wife and his daughter are left in Atlanta. Here we are. It's Easter Sunday of 2009, April 12th. It's about 1.45 p.m. on Camp Creek Parkway down by the airport. So visualize with me, you guys. Camp Creek Parkway is a four-lane highway, two lanes going eastbound, two lanes going westbound, and they are divided by a grass median. There's not like a cement barrier, just a thick grass median that separates east and westbound. At least at this time. Changes, like, there's like... I think some wire fencing now, but at this time. Correct. So on that Easter afternoon, Amy was headed to Publix because she was going to get some ice cream. She turns on to Camp Creek and she's coming onto Camp Creek from the corner of Butner Road in Camp Creek. And she actually runs a red light and she runs this red light and she almost hits this woman named Marion Bucket. Now, Marion, she's an older woman, but she was paying attention and she swerved out of Amy's way and she was like, this lady, she rolled down the window. She started yelling some, she said, choice words at Amy. And she was laying on her horn because this person ran a red light and almost really hit her and caused a really horrible accident. And then Amy, she like looks back and she's like, what the heck is this lady honking her horn at? She throws her hands up like, what are you even talking to me like that for? Why are you honking your horn at me? And she keeps driving on to Camp Creek. I think it's mm-hmm. funny she said, mm-hmm. I said some choice words. My granny, it's when, very she's, old. <laughs> when she's in her phases of not cursing, she says dirty word. <laughs> She'd be like, oh, dirty word. I just dropped this. <laughs> Anything to keep you out of the swear jar. You know what I mean? So Amy is driving along because clearly it was Marion who should have stopped at her green light so that she could run her red light. And Amy keeps driving on Camp Creek and she actually sideswipes a Mercedes Benz. Inside of this Mercedes Benz was the Carter family. That Easter Sunday, the Carter family was headed from Camp Creek all the way to Dunwoody so that they could have brunch with the Easter Bunny at Villa Christians. And the father of the family, Robert Carter, was the one that was driving the car. So mom, Delisha, just gave birth to their son. She was actually on maternity leave from work. However, she needed to go back to work for a week for a company trip. And so the family was like, okay, we're back together. You're still on your maternity leave. Their daughter at the time really wanted to go see the Easter Bunny. So they were strapped in to take that about, I don't know, 45-ish without traffic minute drive from Camp Creek all the way to Dunwoody so that they could have this wonderful Easter family outing. Now, the Carter family, they're a blended family. 
Delisha, her father's name was Earl Robertson. Her mother's name was Kathy Smith, and she had uh, a sister named Henry Smith. Delisha grew up in the Bay Area of California, and she always talked about moving to Atlanta. And she just wanted to move to Atlanta because she just like was like, this is the place where Black women are really starting to thrive and they're starting to succeed. You know, like I'm trying to be a part of the community that That's Atlanta why my has mama to moved offer. To Atlanta. She don't like nobody. I mean, but she was like, I can't succeed here, and I hear that black women and black people are doing well in Atlanta. It's an up-and-coming city. That's where I need to go. Okay. When she did elementary school at Schaefer Park in Cali, and then she went to James Logan High School in Cali as well, she attained her BA degree in human resources from Menlo College, and she was at the time pursuing her master's degree in human resources at the University of Phoenix. Now, friends would describe Delisha as a free spirit, like, really optimistic, people-pleaser type of person. Um, There was a time in her life where she was just really in turmoil. She was actually married. So in 1999, Delisha married her first husband, Myra Lemons. And the next year after they were married, they had a daughter, Kayla Lachelle Lemons, who was born on January 8th, 2000. Now, the marriage between Delisha and Myra didn't last long. It only lasted about three years. But Myra... Even though they were divorced, he was very active in his daughter's life. In 2005, she became the founder of Eagle Connection, which was like this vibrant network of entrepreneurs in Atlanta. And they were reaching out to different nations. They were really trying to change life. She was doing the successful things that she wanted to do in Atlanta. And while she was working as a regional human resource manager for a logistics company, she met Robert Carter. Now, Robert was the marketing director at UPS. And in May of 2008, they pretty much fell in love at first sight. So the story goes that Delisha and Robert, they were neighbors, and Robert and Delisha ended up having a mutual friend. So when Robert was throwing a barbecue at his house, that friend was like, girl, like, my homeboy is your neighbor and throwing a barbecue, just come on over. And so she comes over and they meet, and people describe it as love at first sight. They would have described it as love at first sight. Literally a month after they met each other, they were getting married. And they got married in St. Croix. And it was this wonderful event. And Delisha's mom remembered how just wonderful it was that they were getting married, that they were really excited. She was remembered that she was so excited because while they were having that destination wedding, that means that she got to have her little granddaughter over at her house by herself. And you know how grandmas get when they got their grandbaby over. She said she rolled her little rolling book bag over and then... Now, uh, Robert, he was the type of person that you couldn't eat pork and he didn't want no pork in the house. So she was like, I just got my grandbaby. We're going to sit over here. We're going to eat pork chops. We're going to have a good time while your mama off getting married and doing what she do. Okay. They did get married on July 19th, 2008, and they were married for a little while. And then they gave birth to their son, Ethan Blake, on January 28th, 2009. Now, Ethan, at this time, he is a brand new, fresh baby. And he was just starting to do the things that babies do because, you know, the first month they're just thawing out. So he was just starting to, you know, recognize and acknowledge his mom and his dad and his sister and recognize his mom's voice. And Kayla, she was the sweetest little third grader that loved to read. She liked to read her Bible stories. She liked to go to school. She liked to play with her baby dolls. And this was actually her first year, her third grade year was her first year in public school after she had spent her entire school career from pre-K up at a private Christian school. Streaming October 6th on Paramount+. Plus. First place I learned about death was a pet cemetery. Dead things buried in that land would come back. There's something else. Something's wrong with Timmy. He needs time to adjust. It's not Timmy. Something is talking through him. Sometimes dead is better. Pet Cemetery, Bloodlines, Rated R, streaming only on Paramount Plus. So now when Amy hits the Carters, both Robert, who was driving his family, and Amy lost control of their vehicles. The Carters start spinning out of control and their car crosses over the grass median into the westbound lane. This blink of an eye tragedy ended when they hit a Volkswagen that was being driven by Tracy Johnson, who had her six-year-old daughter, Morgan Johnson, in the backseat. 
Now, Tracy is a close friend of her pastor and the first lady, Carolyn Waller, at her church. Carolyn and her husband, the pastor, needed to get to Macon for a family emergency because somebody in her family had just gotten into a car accident. They, of course, only needed one car to make this trip. So as a favor, Tracy was driving Carolyn's car back to her house. She took her daughter Morgan along with her while her husband, Morris Johnson II, and her 11-year-old son, Morris Johnson III, took the family car, a Lexus SUV, home to get ready for Easter dinner. So the love story goes that Morris and Tracy have known each other since elementary school. And when they're around 15 or 16, they went on a date to the movies to go see Endless Love in 1981. And the two have been together ever since. Now, Tracy went to Spelman College. Oh, shout out to the HBCUs. And Morris II went to Georgia State. And the two decided to wait until after they both had graduated to get married and start their family, which I always love when they make that decision because college is such a growth period, right? And how do you learn yourself when you're also trying to learn how to be a wife and a family? And it's just, you know? Right, right. If the love is real, it'll be there after. Exactly. Like, I don't... I think about when I was in college and I was like, I wanted to get married. Oh, my God, I got to figure things out. And you you don't like you can just chill. Because think about how much you learned about yourself at that time and are still learning about yourself, you know. Right. So they had their first child. It was a son, Morris III, of course. And later they had their princess, which is what they actually called her, Morgan Johnson. In 1998, they had their first child, Morris Johnson III. And later they had their princess, which is actually what they called her, Morgan Johnson in 2000. Morgan was a first grader at Southwest Atlanta Christian Academy. She was very into reading. She was just starting to learn how to read chapter books. And she has this, like, love for science, right? Like, her mom had this um, plastic heart that she could take apart and see the inside, and she was like, I just can't wait to bust this thing open and see what's inside of it. Like, very into science. They even told this story. She had a school project, and they had to present to the class, and she was, like, observing how the flower petals were holding the water that then carried it to the stem and fed it, and she, like... The teacher ran out to the mom after school was over and was like, she was so good. She was the best presenter in the whole class. Her mom's like, I knew you could do it, girl. So she was very serious about her studies, already decided she wanted to be a doctor. Goals, we love it. Tracy said she just truly wanted to help people. She was also a girl's girl, loved the color pink. Everything had to be pink. And if it wasn't pink, she'd settle for a light shade of lavender. She also modeled for children clothing. And you could see her pictures and stuff in department stores. And one of her favorite hobbies was playing with babies. She loved little babies. So as Tracy is driving First Lady Caroline's Volkswagen, her husband is ahead of her with her son driving the family Lexus. Remember? Now, her husband is looking out the corner of his eye and he sees it looks like there's kind of a lot going on out the corner. You know, you have to be a defensive driver, you know, don't trust other people on the road. So he's already peeping that something ain't right. Now, as the police tells it, the Carter family Mercedes goes over the median and is coming into oncoming traffic. Now, while Morris did not see the collision that happened on the eastbound lane. He did see the Carter's car coming into the westbound lane from the median. He says, my concern was to get by it, and I was hoping that Tracy would get by it too. He looks in his rearview mirror, and he's like, huh, Tracy's a little further back than I thought, and then, boom, he hears an explosion. Now, Tracy says she never even saw the Mercedes until it hit her. She says, quote, it was instantaneous. There was nothing there, and then it was there. Boom. It was just coming up out of the median. Car- and it's really, I like those accidents, you don't see it coming. Like It's really like it, an instant. You, could, you couldn't avoid it. It's literally just, when it crosses over that meeting, it's median, it's whatever car is there, and it just so happened to be them. It's like, you know when you're watching TV and like, the, the filmmaker will put it to where, like, that person's in the car, distracted, distracted. You don't see it coming, and then you just see impact. Like, 
where was the thought yep. to even try? It's it's this moment right here. And the Carter family Mercedes slams into the front of the Volkswagen Beetle that was carrying Tracy and her daughter. Morris recalls it as the two vehicles almost fusing together. And then the Mercedes is instantly set on fire. So as soon as the accident happens, of course, Morris pulls the car over and tries to go save his wife and daughter. He and a bystander... James and Neil are trying so hard to get the doors to open and they could not get in. Tracy, when she recalls the event, says she could feel the heat. She said, I had to lie down on the passenger side to get away from it. I knew my legs were broken. They were just hanging there. So the impact has caused both of these cars to catch on fire. Robert and Delicia die on impact and the medical examiner determined that their daughter Kayla and their son Ethan died in the explosion after they took a breath of the heated air. Now Morgan, Tracy's six-year-old daughter who was in the Volkswagen with her, was wearing a seatbelt, but she had the chest strap behind her instead of in front. And she also died on impact. Somehow Tracy survives and is airlifted to Grady Hospital. Now, also in the westbound lane is Angela Kilpatrick, a mom driving a Honda Accord, and she has her two kids, ages 10 and 6, and says that she was also involved in the crash, but luckily no one in the car was injured. Now, aside from a dented, scraped-up, bumperless BMW, Amy had no injuries and drove away from the scene safely without checking on anyone involved in the wreck or calling the police. Other drivers who witnessed the accident start calling 911. Even Marion Beckett drives up upon the scene like she passes this collision right after it happens because she just had the altercation with Amy running the red light in front of her. She's like, the car that almost killed me at that light is the car that just fled the scene. When 911 finally gets there, Amy is long gone, and paramedics are seeing that of the cars that are still here and involved in the accident, Tracy is the only survivor. Tracy had a lacerated liver and spleen. She broke both of her legs, broke her collarbone, broke some ribs. Her hip was broken. She had to have a pin put in it. She had to have rods implanted to help with the broken bones in her legs. She even fractured her heel. The surgeon who operated on her said it took about eight hours. Only two-thirds of people with similar injuries survive, which is kind of slim pickings, right? So to recap for you guys, so remember, Amy veers off to the left, sideswiping the Carter family car, causing them both to spin out. The Carter family car spins over the grass median into the now westbound lane into incoming traffic. And on impact, she goes head to head with Tracy Johnson and her daughter Morgan in the Volkswagen Beetle. That collision causes an explosion and Tracy is left as the only one who survives. Now, remember, they spin out, but Amy regains control of her car. Instead of stopping to see what happens, Amy drives away. Her mom doesn't live too far from where she was. And so she goes straight to her mother's house where she was staying. And usually she parks outside of the garage, but she opened the garage door. And so she puts her gold 1998 Model 740 IL BMW inside of the garage and closes the garage door. When Amy gets home, she tells her mom everything that happened. And her mom is like, listen, baby, mama's going to fix this, okay? Her mother, Sheila, Sheila calls a mechanic, this guy named John Mahavir, and he's a mechanic at the Lithia Auto Services. He goes to their home to, like, assess the crash and see what's going on. And when she calls him, you know, she's trying to make a deal. She's trying to make sure that she can figure it out. And she's like, listen, I can give you some health insurance, like, she tries to make a deal with him, like, health insurance to come and fix the vehicle. 
when he looks at the car, he's like, okay, like the damages aren't crazy. It's going to probably be, you know, with labor and everything, about fifteen dollars to $1,700. And they're like, okay, that sounds like a pretty good price. We'll make sure that the BMW gets to the shop the next day and this can all be taken care of. So the next day comes and Sheila is getting ready to take her daughter's damaged car that was just in an accident to the shop. Now, mind you, the news has already caught wind about this horrible Easter crash where families were lost coming from church and going to see the Easter bunny. Um, The news is already on alert and having people look out for a BMW, a gold BMW, as a matter of fact. And Sheila's mom is making sure that that BMW that they have gets fixed. However, when she gets ready to take the BMW to the shop, the car don't work. Surprise, surprise. So the mechanic, he has to come back out to the house. He's got to jump the car so that they can get the car where it needs to go. Now, Sheila, she ends up giving him a cashier's check for $1,000, you know, a nice little down payment. I'll give you the rest when it's over. She goes, they get the car fixed, and then as soon as the car is fixed, she then takes the car to get a paint job because, uh, we don't need you out here in a shiny gold BMW. In the mechanic's defense, it very much seemed like, A, he was clearly under a rock and not paying attention to the news and did not know about the car crash on Camp Creek. And Sheila made it seem like the car had been sitting in the garage for a while and that they had just been waiting to, you know, get the money to start paying for this car that had been sitting damaged in the vehicle for a little bit of time to be repaired. He does fix the car, fixes the entire left side, goes to get the car repainted, and it seems like everything, and at least from Sheila's point of view, to protect her daughter Amy, everything was okay. Things kept going on. Amy, about four days after the crash, she was thinking about what she was going to do with her future, and she had just finished her business school application for Wake Forest University. On April 18, 2009, the Carter family, Robert Carter, Delisha Carter, Ethan Carter, and Kayla Lemons, was laid to rest at New Birth Missionary Baptist Church, which, if you're not from Atlanta, uh, I mean, and I know we also have a lot of international listeners— New Birth is a huge church. Mega church. Coretta Scott King, her funeral was there. I mean, and this is a funeral along for an entire family. Along, yes, along with many others. If somebody is from Atlanta and they're a big name, they're probably getting buried at New Birth. There's been a lot of scandal in scandal, that church's but... history. <laughs> I yes, don't know about sin scandal, but at least pre-scandal. Have y'all seen Honk for Jesus Save Your Soul? mm Never mind. I'm just going to leave that there. <laughs> but no, this is a huge church. And it was a huge ceremony because this news was everywhere in Atlanta at the time because it was so tragic and no one knew where the gold BMW was that started this entire crash. For two weeks, Amy was on the run. After processing the crime scene, the police realized there was, in fact, another car at the scene of the crime and the way that they can tell this it's not because amy pulled over and waited and tried to explain her case but because she left tire marks on the highway they were also able to determine that they had a goldish maybe champagne colored car the car was definitely a bmw somewhere between the years of 1995 and 2001 and they find this out due to the damaged pieces left on the road like the bumper and the undercarriage the police release information at night to the public they're like please Five people, three of them children, have just died in this horrific crash. The catalyst of this crash, the driver that's kicked this all off, has fled the scene. If anybody knows anything about it, if anybody has seen this gold BMW between these years, please let us know something. So Marion that night hears this request and calls in on a tip line and was like, yeah, this girl who cut me off in traffic looked like she was about in her 20s. Definitely saw her. She definitely, I promise you that was her because the way she just interacted with me had to be. Marion was on it. I'm telling you. I know what Marion looked like. I just, I, there's no pictures of her, but I know what she looked like. <laughs> Amy's kind of hiding out for almost two weeks. I think it was 10 or 11 days. And then on Wednesday of April 22nd, the, the police received 
an anonymous tip. Not so anonymous. It was one of the neighbors. It was one of Sheila's neighbors. She said that a BMW matching the description they put on the news that was in this car accident was at the Michael family's Ailey Avenue home in the Walden Park subdivision that was just south of Atlanta. Now, I know they got this gold car, and I also know that it was damaged, and they had to go take it fixed. Y'all think y'all neighbors don't be watching? The neighbors be watching, okay? That is my grandmother's favorite thing to gossip about. She'll call me and be like, well, you know, his son's in rehab. I've never seen her talk to these people. Knows everything about them. I don't understand it. And, you know, I be liking to to argue, and I'm like, I will not be that couple outside arguing. You... Because y'all are not going to talk about me. Take it in the house. One time, recently, a couple weeks ago, the neighbors were arguing. I think I tweeted about it, I was so excited. (laughs) Me and Tazzy were supposed to be recording. I was like, girl, shut up. Stop talking to me. I was like, girl, this man mad because this man fucking his wife is crazy. I know all the tea. Listen, Mariah on the phone, she like, didn't this just happen? She just sit here, give me live report and do the phone. Okay, now he just said, "Ooh, girl, I think he just." And did he? Did he pull out a gun? <laughs> <laughs> Anywho, the point is, your neighbors are nosy. It's just a fact. Keep, don't do it. Instacart helps you get beer and wine delivered in as fast as an hour. So whether you need to fill the cooler for tailgate season, or fill your glass for Pinot by the fire season. You can save time by getting fall sips delivered in just a few clicks. Visit instacart.com or download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum order $10. Additional terms apply. Must be 21 or over for alcohol delivery where available. Instacart. Add life to cart. Now, two officers respond, and when they get there, one officer is like, I definitely smell a strong odor of paint. They also see new bumper parts and a new wheel on the car parked in the driveway. They look underneath the car, and they find that all the pieces that they recovered from the accident were missing from the vehicle. They take this information to the police station, they give it to the proper people, and they get a search warrant to go look into Michael's house. They return that same day with the SWAT team at about 3 p.m., and they surround the house. The police enter the house, and they discover that nobody is there. Now, a neighbor, (laughs) I'm trying to tell you guys, a neighbor, claims, <laughs> a, neighbor, uh, a neighbor claims to have seen three women who live in a home driving into the neighborhood and make a quick U-turn once they see the police. Five Not there pe- they go. They right there. <laughs> Skirts. <laughs> Hold on a minute. <laughs> now, around 6.45 p.m., almost four hours later, a Ford Expedition pulls into the Michael family driveway. Police surround the car, and Amy, Sheila, and Sheila's mom are all in there and taken out of the house and escorted into the house where the police sit them at the dining room and they begin to continue looking inside the house. Can you just imagine coming home and the SWAT team is there? I know they approached that car with guns in the face, like step out of the car, put your hands up, like very scary situation, you know? I would pee my pants. You know, right like, there. Like, I have, I have not be had, I've been around guns, but I have not had one pointed at me. And I, I do not want one pointed at me. Like, mm. and I don't the, care if it's loaded, the, unloaded. I don't care. Like, the SWAT, the SWAT team. You only see these niggas in movies. You know what I mean? And they're here for you. These, that is what nightmares are made of. So, yeah, the police have them inside. They're sitting at the dining room table. They look at the house, and then they take all three of them back to the station for questioning. So, at this point, it's 12, 11 a.m., and Amy is being questioned by the police for two and a half hours. She lied for about an hour, and then after an hour, they gave her evidence, and that's when she starts confessing. When Amy is sitting in her interview, she starts off by saying, nope, that's not her car. That's her mom's car. She's only driven that car, what, a couple of times, like, around the neighborhood, nothing crazy. Have I been in a car accident? Mm-mm. I ain't been in no car accident recently. 
Has the car gotten repaired for anything? Mm-mm, I don't think so. I don't think the car's been repaired for anything. And the police are like, you know what? Amy, let me level with you here. There was an accident. As you know, that's why we're here. And it's crazy to us because that BMW in the car, all of the pieces that we can tell have been replaced are all the pieces that were found at the scene of this a horrible car crash that killed five people. And one, right now, she's in so much surgery, we don't even know if she's going to survive. Amy, she hears this and she's like, ah, the jig is up. And so she's like, okay, okay, yes. I was the person that drove the gold BMW. Yes, that car has been fixed up and repainted. Yes, that was the gold car that I used. And it was horrible. Now, according to Amy, she was driving down the highway and suddenly she turned to the right because she said that she thought that their car was, that the Mercedes, the Carter's car was coming into her lane. And so she was like, I tried to swerve out of their way. And then we just started spinning out of control. They crossed over a median. She was like, I was spinning, I was spinning, I was spinning. My car stopped. When my car stopped, I looked over, I saw that their car was on fire and I just drove away. And they're like, listen, Amy, we already have witnesses. We have this 911 call where somebody is describing you and this woman is ready to testify against you because she saw it. So this 911 call, this woman was driving in front of Amy's car and the lane that Amy's car was in. And she said it seemed like it was Amy's car behind her and that the Mercedes, they were driving kind of in tandem side by side. That woman said straight up that she saw that Amy quickly moved to the right and back to the left after she crashed into that Mercedes, causing them to spin out. And 100%, it was Amy that hit that Mercedes and caused the accident to happen. Once everything happened, and I mean, this accident really happened in an instant. She stopped at a red light. She called 911 and she told them this. With all of this information and Amy's confession, they arrested Amy at 3.30 a.m. Her mom and her grandmother went home. The next day, same day, 3.30 a.m., at 10 a.m., the police make a statement to the public. They have arrested the person that is behind this horrible Easter morning crash. And she was on her way getting ice cream when she took the lives of these people. She goes and stands in front of the judge. The judge is like, nah, you're not going to get bond. And after the arrest came on the news, the mechanic, I guess this was his first time watching the news, he sees them on the news <laughs> And he's like, oh, shit, I worked on that. Oh, shit, those are the people. Oh, my gosh. And he actually picks up the phone and he calls the tip line. And he's like, you ain't going to get me caught up. Let me tell you what I know. On Monday, April 27th, six-year-old Morgan Johnson had her funeral at Fellowship of Faith Christian International Church. Mom was out of surgery and she was there. She was kind of... They described her as being hoisted up on a makeshift bed because as she's fresh out of very intensive surgery. Now, it wasn't until days later, Wednesday, April 29th, when mom, Sheila, was arrested for obstruction of violence and evidence tampering. Grandmama wasn't arrested because all evidence points that she wasn't involved with this crime at all. While Amy is in jail, police are still questioning her. They're trying to get all the details from this crime scene. And one of the things that Amy says is, honestly, all of this is just like a really horrible, horrible dream. And I wanted to, I wanted to go and tell, I wanted to do the right thing. I wanted to turn myself in. I actually called 911 twice and hung up the phone. And the times where I told up, I, I said that I wanted to turn myself in. My mom, she told me not to. She said that she was going to lose me. She said she couldn't lose me. And so I, I, I did what she said. I just had my birthday. I was at a party and I just, everybody was like, why aren't you eating cake and ice cream? Why aren't you eating cake and ice cream? Because I don't deserve cake and ice cream. Because I knew that this was horrible and I wanted to turn myself in. I wanted to do the right thing. But my mom told me no. And... Police are like, that's very interesting because now 
That means if she was telling you not to do the right thing, she's obstructing justice. If she's the one that drove the car to get painted and to and paid the money for it to be fixed, she's tampering with evidence. So on Wednesday, April 29th, Sheila was arrested for obstruction of justice and tampering with evidence. Now, Grandma, she wasn't arrested. As far as the evidence shows, she was not involved with this crime at all. On Tuesday, May 5th, 2009, at 4.30 p.m., Amy was indicted by the grand jury on 12 felonies. Five counts of vehicular homicide, one count of serious injury by vehicle, and six counts of hit and run. She also got a couple misdemeanors, reckless driving, tampering with evidence, and failure to maintain lane. Now, on this same day, Sheila is indicted on charges of tampering with evidence and hindering apprehension of a criminal. So, two days later, on May 7th, Fulton County Superior Court Judge Mr. Richard Hicks grants Amy a $150,000 bond, but he was like, you cannot leave your house. That little crib you got with your family in South Fulton, don't step out of it or you're going to be right back in here, okay? He also allows Sheila to be out on bond for 50000 So Sheila's priced out that same night, and Amy ended up having to spend one more night in jail due to some issue with the bond or whatever. Now, Sheila immediately goes on paid leave from her job as a second-grade teacher. Paid leave as her job of influencing the minds of tomorrow to do the right thing. On October 18th of 2010, Sheila pleads guilty for tampering with evidence. Amy's trial begins Wednesday, October 20th of 2010. Now, the prosecutors, they are seeking 50 years for Amy, okay? They said she was the cause of the wreck and she alone did this. They presented evidence that showed that the scenario that she was driving and veered right due to an, a distraction and then overcorrected to the left which caused her to hit the so they threw out this scenario and it was plausible that she veered right due to a distraction and then overcorrected to the left which caused her to hit the mercedes that was holding the carter family they said due to this you caused the carter's mercedes to cross over the median and hit the volkswagen head-on Prosecutors said that the evidence from the wreckage and the testimony from eyewitness and investigators are enough to prove that Amy caused this wreck. But they say the most damning evidence that they have against her is her own behavior. She sped away from the scene and hid her role in this entire crash. The prosecutor said, quote, this case is so simple. You already know Amy Michael is guilty. You know she caused this crash. That's what the evidence showed you. She fled. She ran. She left those people burning. What innocent person would do that? It's the she left those people burning. That's I think if I would have thought of it as a crash, like, but it's the you left them burning. Because it was an explosion. Amy heard that shit driving off. And then you you see the flames. And I know, if you don't see the flames, you see the smoke. The prosecution, of course, called Miss Marion to testify. And she was happy to tell the behaviors that she saw from Amy that day. Now, Amy's defense, her defense attorneys, his name was Scott Smith. The defense was that although she did flee the scene, she shouldn't be charged with vehicular homicide because, according to them, she wasn't the car who caused the wreck. Now, her lawyer says, there's no doubt that my client fled the busy scene that Sunday afternoon. He says that he agrees with them, that you should find her guilty of six counts of hit and run and one count of tampering with evidence, because that is what she did. However, vehicular homicide? No, you should acquit her of vehicular homicide. It was the Carter's car that hit her first, instead of her hitting the Carter's car. I mean... This was the defense that he was going with. And it's a pretty, it's a leg to stand on for sure to at least try, especially when you're trying to get decades knocked off. Hit and run is an entire different charge than vehicular homicide. Her attorney was like, the state's case has gaps in it. And I am here to show you the gaps in their case. And the gaps, honestly, they're clear as day. 
According to Amy and her team, she was sideswiped by the Carter's Mercedes and that Robert Carter is the reason that his family and Little Miss Morgan Johnson are deceased. Now, Amy's defense had inquired for an expert to testify on their behalf to show that it was indeed Robert that hit Amy instead of Amy that hit Robert. However, this expert decided to not testify in court. What does that tell you? I mean, think about it. If you're the expert, like say if I'm the expert in something and you're paying me whatever crazy amount of money to testify that whatever you say is true and you know what this case is, I'm not finna test I'm I'm not finna lie like that. I can't have that blood on my hands. Well, I don't necessarily know that it was he who decided not to, or more so like he was on the witness list and they decided not to pull him up because sometimes they have to strategize like what's gonna do more damage. Like yes, we could say that you know, it was possible that it was the Carter family who started this. But also, when I'm looking for sympathy for the jury, how is it going to play out if I blame them for killing all themselves when it's also plausible that I had this in there and there's a lot of evidence coming this way? Like, is this the right play to make? Now, when they got to Sheila, she said, listen, she did what she needed to do because she was trying to protect her child. And at the time, she was a mom that acted out of fear. And the number one thing on her mind was Mama Bear, and it's time to protect her own. This may not have been the right way to go about it, to protect her daughter, but this is the way that she did because she acted out of fear. Closing arguments were on October 27th, and it was really difficult for everybody in the room. Just like, this is a no-win case. After the jury heard all the evidence, they finally came back with a verdict on November 1st, 2010. Ooh, it took them a while. And when they came back, they found her guilty of all counts. Five counts of vehicular homicide, one count of serious injury by vehicle, six counts of hit and run, and those misdemeanors of reckless driving, tampering with evidence, and failure to maintain lane. Mm, you know, especially if they talked about her driving history. You know, they also found some weed in the vehicle, but they didn't bring it up during the trial because the judge didn't the judge didn't admit it. And she didn't admit it because she was like, OK, we don't have any evidence saying that she smoked it on this day. And then it kind of biases the jury. We all probably think it's it's very plausible and probably most likely that she was. And like being that the the roach was in her car it shows that you're probably smoking and driving, but there is not proof. Right, but during sentencing, they were allowed to bring it up. Um, she was sentenced on Thursday, November 4th. On Thursday, November 4th of 2010, the court sentenced Amy to 50 years in prison. Now, only 36 of those years would be served in prison, and the rest would be on probation, leaving her with 14 years probation. And Sheila was sentenced to eight years for her role on the cover-up. Amy gave a tearful, tearful, tearful apology at her sentencing. She said, I have wronged three families, and for that, I am sorry. I apologize to the Carter family, and I apologize to the Johnson family. Not a day goes by that I don't pray for your comfort and your peace of mind and your healing. I want to apologize to my family, to all the families. I'm very sorry. She apologizes for the undue grief that she caused in her cover-up. She said, my prayer for you each day is that your sorrow be comforted in his loving arms. And she said that this was not her intention, like... Everything that's came out of this, the grief that she's caused the family, all of that, that's not what she was trying to do. And even Amy's father spoke at the hearing. He's, of course, came home after all of the hubbubaloo. And he was quiet throughout the entirety of the trial. But at the sentencing, he says, I feel that if I was here in this country at the time, all this would have never taken place. I can assure you of that. He said, my daughter, I love her so much, and her actions after the accident, I can't explain. All I can tell you is she wasn't raised that way, and she didn't mean it. She didn't mean to be part of such a horrific accident. Why do you have to be stateside 
for your family to do the right thing. I guess he just feels like that man of the house, the leader of the household. Like, and when it came down to it, when it came down to it, Amy didn't make the right decision. Sheila's morality dropped, and he was like, "Listen, I know I would have stood strong in what was right." In February of 2016, Amy decides to file an appeal. She states that there was insufficient evidence to show that she was direct cause that she was the direct cause of the accident. The defense is still claiming that Amy was sideswiped first by another car, which is what caused her to hit the Carters and caused the deadly accident. The court ruled that the evidence introduced at the trial was significant enough to declare that she was the direct cause of the accident, and they determined again that Amy was responsible for the collision because she veered out of her lane and ran into the Carters. So where are they now? Tracy was interviewed and she said the lack of compassion of leaving the scene and having parents that don't tell you to do the right thing and turn yourself in, that's what's so disheartening. She said it's basic morality and that she will pray for the family. And that's what she continues to do. She has since made a full recovery from her injuries. And of course, she was present at Amy and Sheila's sentencing. Now, Kayla's grandmother, remember, Kayla is Delisha's daughter from her first marriage. Grandma just moved from Cali to Atlanta. So she just recently, like in the later half, the later three and a half years of Kayla's life was really in her life. Remember, they did everything together. Remember we told you about how she was ready to go to grandma when her mom went and got married in St. Croix. And she was just really grateful for the time that she was able to have with her grandbaby. And remember, she's, that whole family is from Cali. Delisha's sister arrived, what they said, the Wednesday, a couple of days after the crash, because of course she heard about it. She came straight down. And it was so tragic because she never even got to meet her nephew, her two-month-old nephew that was fresh. Amy is serving her sentence at Emanuel Women's Facility in Swainsboro, Georgia. Her earliest possible release date is October 14th, 2045. If... Sheila serves the max sentence she would have gotten out of jail in 2018. But according to an Arendelle police employee, Sheila was released to Philadelphia, PA on an out-of-state parole order on July 31st, 2013. Now, according to the same employee, we ain't trying to get nobody fired. It seems like she was only in there for like mm, three years-ish. And that is the story of the 2009 Easter car crash. All right, y'all, it's time for... Well, I'm not black. I'm OJ. I I didn't do it, but if I did, this is how I would have got away with it. I didn't do it, but if I did, I'd have pulled over. I mean, wasn't she scared? You know, like, as soon as you finish spinning out of control, don't you kind of sit there for a little while and catch your breath? Right. I ain't do it, but if I did, I would have also vacuumed out of the car. Like, yeah, no, they weren't able to use the fact that you had a roach in your car during the trial, but they were able to talk about it in sentencing. And really, if you were that concerned about the car, you should have been vacuuming out the car as well. I'm surprised she was able to smoke in her parents' car. Yeah. Because it also was 2009. Like, weed wasn't just something that people were all cool about like they are now. I don't do if I did. Like, that first incident where I'm almost crashing, I feel like that would have made me just a bit more alert with Marion. Like, she almost had a thing there, but maybe she didn't realize what it almost was. You know what I mean? Because Marion's like, I almost died there. And then these people die seconds later. But she's like, I guess in her opinion, she didn't think it was that serious and continued to be a distracted driver. I don't know. I just feel like I'm very concerned when I'm driving. Like, I don't really text and drive. I will put on a podcast or put on music or not nothing at all. If I do get really exhausted and somebody honks at me, I'm like, oh, shit. And I guess people just... A vehicle is very dangerous. I ain't do it, but if I did, I think as soon as I would have walked into the police station and they would have had the SWAT team in my face, 
I'm not starting off like lying. No, I'm straight. Y'all brought the SWAT team out. She she told me to do it, okay? I don't need to... I, I'm scared. I'd be too scared to lie at that point. I think some people, like, lie, double down, lie more. Like, there's some people who will lie until they really, really know they can't lie anymore. And she's probably like, can I get away with it? Can I get away with it? Can I get away with it? And it was like, fuck, I can't. And then not done implicated her mama and all of this shit because they weren't even looking at that. Right now they're looking for one person. They was like, oh, your mama was involved too? So right. More. I ain't do it, but if I did, there are glimpses of times in this story where it seemed like Amy was having a, a guilty conscience and her mom was telling her to not turn herself in. And if she was moving in that way and your gut, your soul, I know I know she had to have been having nightmares about this. Like she had to have. You, I know she knew what was going on in the news. I know she knew that who the people were that passed. I think I would have ended up turning myself in despite what her mama said. Like, and it's really are those, it really are those moments. And even if she left, and she got her mind together and was like, oh, crap, I really killed people. At no point did she say, I can't not make the right choice here. And I think that's it's the hard thing. It's who you are when no one's watching and when you have the opportunity to get away with it. And I think when people move out of fear, they rarely make the right decision. Yeah. And I think also, I think it was probably harder with her mom telling her to double down on her actions because, yeah. you know, a lot of people, who do you trust most? Your mother. Oh, and something go wrong, I'm going to call my mama. And, like, if my mom's telling me to go this way, like, sometimes you trust your mom more than you trust yourself. Yeah, that's true. And I think that that's just, you shouldn't be teaching t- teaching your ch- adult child or anybody to lie like that. And then you saw the flames. You saw the news coverage. And in those moments, it's really those decisions that define who you are morally. And if you want to, and now she has to live with those consequences and hopefully decide to be a better person. That's hard right there because, uh, yeah, the lady saw her and yeah, there was a couple of people who saw her, but it really wasn't until those neighbors said anything and they got suspicious that she would have even thought about turning herself in. So is she really sorry about what happened or is she sorry that she got caught? I think both. I ain't do it, but if I did, maybe you should have called your daddy. Yeah, that might have been a better call to make. We don't, we don't, we don't have dads, so. <laughs> that wouldn't be my choice, personally. That would be my but... choice, but I do know a lot of daddy's girls that would be like, uh-uh, I'm calling my daddy. Yeah. And maybe you should have done that. I think that's it. Parole or no parole? I'll parole her. I do believe she's sorry. I'm struggling with this one. I mean, she is going to see the light of day again, but it's quite hard because those were a lot of lives lost. And a lot of lives lying about it. It's hard to get over. I do... I'm trying to put myself in the mindset of serving your debt to society, but it's hard. I think I might have sentenced her with them uh, vehicular homicides back to back instead of serving all at once. Not going to hold you. I bet she was real happy that didn't happen too. I definitely, I definitely don't think it's a life in prison type of case. Like, I, I even think maybe 36 years is a lot, but... I mean, it is what it is. You made the decisions that you made. All right. That's the end of the show. I don't like cases like this because I I, I don't like these vehicular homicide cases. They're really not fun. Like, they're really sad. Especially because, like, you don't even... Because, like, we know why she shot her man. And we know that people are crazy trying to steal babies. And we know all these other weird stories that we tell but these tragic accidents and people just making that snap it's an accident yes it's an accident but when those accidents and making the snap wrong choice 
and digging into that wrong choice, it never works out. It never works out in a hit and run. It never works out in life. It just doesn't work out. Digging into the deceit and the lie, just, it just, trust me, it never works out. Just, (laughs) (laughs) just turn yourself in, just tell the truth. That's all I got to say. Be a good person. Be a good person even when people try to get you to be the wrong person. That's part of being an adult. Mm-hmm. There's bad influence I everywhere. I taught my kid to be a leader, and she's not a follower. And sometimes your family going to lead you down the wrong road. And you gotta, mm-hmm. you have to know what your own mind is, regardless of who else is speaking to you, whether it's your mother or whether it's your spouse or your kid or whatever. You just you have to be grounded in your own morals and your own knowing what's right and what's wrong. Right. What you exactly. can live with. Okay, this one is from our Facebook, public Facebook page where you can like it, leave a review right on our wall. You'll see pictures of the episode there. This is from Kiera. She says, I've been listening for about a year and I absolutely love, love, love listening to this podcast. I'm a true crime fan and I watch trials on law and crime every day. The vernacular and flow of the storytelling keeps me hooked. I'm currently thinking about becoming a paralegal just so I can be in the courts. Keep up the keep it up, ladies. This podcast is a hit. Thank you, girl. Thanks. I don't want to be a paralegal. So I don't I'm so do not want to be behind a desk, but people love it. <laughs> not because you nosy. I just want to keep up with what's going on in the courts. Listen. Um, this one is from the Emerald Isles. It says, Hey sisters who kill. First of all, just want to hey. say thank <laughs> First of all, I just want to say thank you for the podcast and the time and effort you have all put in. I start binge I started binge listening four days ago and I've already had the twenty first cocktail. Twenty first cocktail celebration. Yes. Shout out to Faith. But what is she trying to say? The 21st? Remember on our 21st episode, we got really, really drunk. Oh, Because 21. Faith made them I was co- like, 21? We haven't been doing this for 21? What? Okay, you're right. Remember? Okay. Oh, that was so good. We should do another drunk episode soon. Okay. <clears throat> this one says, new fan. I just listened to the first episode. Love it. <laughs> Thank you for leaving a review after the first episode. <laughs> Thank you. You got a long way to go, girl. Listen, I can't know what it's like to be a young black woman. I do believe the system failed these girls on so many levels. At 13, should they have had so- At 13, should they have some say as to who they wanted to be with? Were they provided therapy? Can you say prison industrial complex? Murder is murder, but what consideration is given to 16-year-olds who have come from a troubled home life? There's got to be a better way. Thank you for your openness and insight. Thank you. Thank you, girl. Um, It's from Mike Wazowski. Oh, thanks, Mike. Mike Wazowski. It's just signed M, but I filled in the rest. (laughs) 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 It's just signed M. Wazowski, so I filled in the rest. Okay. Um, yeah. I mean, that's kind of what the story is. I mean, that's kind of, especially the twins, if this is the first episode, that's kind of what that story is all about. And I feel like knowing. Looking at the alternative. Mm hmm. I do feel like people get very frustrated with us and they'd be like, you're always trying to, like, look at the victim side and you're always, like, I mean, you're always trying to look at the uh, murderess's side and you're always, like, making excuses for them and it's not so much making excuses but really trying to put ourselves from their perspective and the opinion you form at the end is the opinion that you form at your end but all things considered is kind of where we're coming from yeah because there are cases like this where wrong is wrong and bad decision after bad decision after bad decision ends up in the place that she's in and there's also cases where were they given therapy at a young age who was responsible in the justice system to make sure that <clears throat> who was responsible in the justice system to make sure that young adults grow up to have like half in happy homes so that they can have thriving lives. So um, it's funny. I think I said this before, but when we started the show, a Tazzy didn't have the confidence and neither did one of my cousins. It was like, mm, are we going to have enough cases? Like, are, 
or is there going to be enough diversity in these cases as far as the cause or the why behind these crimes? And I think that we found that there are there, the diversity behind the why is very vast. But what often is the same is the lack of resources in the beginning of their life to that led them down the path where they ended up. So we just talk about that kind of stuff and tell you a story every week. I mean, nothing big, nothing major. Not too crazy. But anywho, um, if you want to keep up with us, um, if you want to keep up with us, if you want to see the pictures from this episode, you can go ahead and follow us on Facebook, Sisters Who Kill Podcast, or on Instagram, Sisters Who Kill Pod. You can follow us on TikTok, Sisters Who Kill Podcast, on Twitter, Sisters Who Kill, and you can join the discussion group. We had a conversation last week, so y'all got your little group back. Be good. Go in the discussion group and uh, chit-chat about this case and other things that are happening in the news. Anything else, friend? Talk to us. We talk back. Bye. Bye.